Hey, this is James McCoy. Welcome to the JM Sports and Wrestling Podcast, where you will hear the latest in wrestling and sports. Nothing here is off limits. Let's have some fun and get started. I am wel- I am welcoming Lane back with me this week. Lane, say what's up to everybody. What's up, everybody? All right, guys. So we're going to get into the first segment called Wrestling Chatter, and it's going to be kind of a special one today. Earlier this week, reports had surfaced that WWE superstar Sheamus is dealing with spinal stenosis. And apparently that is a career-threatening injury. It has claimed the careers of Edge and Stone Cold Steve Austin, just to name a couple. So what we're going to do right now is talk about some of Sheamus' best moments. And so, Lane, I will start out with you. When I mention Sheamus, what comes to mind? His first title went against John Cena. Okay. How so? I mean, if, if you think about it, up until Sheamus came in, who had a more impressive debut that, that was a nobody? I mean, he came in, and he did the ECW thing a little bit, and then bam, right in there with the match with John Cena, and he won. That's right. He did. He did win, and you're right. Because in that match, I think it was the perfect match to have. Because one... You can protect John Cena without suffering a pinfall loss. And two, you can give Sheamus credibility. And that's exactly what that match did when he won the WWE Championship. And he won it, you know, from what I understand. I think he was the third fastest guy to ever debut with the company to ever win that title. I believe you're right. I believe Kurt Angle was number one. I don't know number two was in Sheamus. That's right. Kurt Angle... Yeah, his rookie year. I mean, if you think about that, he won the European. He was the Euro Continental Champion. And then he won the WWE Championship in his first year. You know, I got to say, with Sheamus, very underrated. His matches with Triple H were great matches. And those matches were also there to give him credibility, even though he did lose his match at WrestleMania. If you notice, Sheamus was the last opponent that Triple H had before he started doing his part-time deal. That is true. Like, Sheamus took, you know, was claiming he ended his career for a while, and, you know, it, it built him up. Yes, he... I think it was at Extreme Rules, if I remember correctly. Correct me if I'm wrong. But he took out Triple H and kept him out for 10 months, I believe. Yes, with the sledgehammer. He used Triple H's own gimmick against him. And he attacked, even attacked Triple H whenever Triple H and Shawn Michaels were doing anything after Shawn Michaels retired. Like, they gave Sheamus a huge push at the beginning. And, I mean, he lived up to it, too. Yeah, he did. I mean, you know, you put him in there against the top guys right off the bat. You know, it's pretty much sink or swim. And he was able to swim. And the first part of his career... I mean, you have to say he probably got one of the biggest pushes, you know, of all time. Even even towards the end, if you look a few years ago, you know, there was building up Roman Reigns, and he was in a program with Roman and Vince. You know, Vince was the special referee. I mean, not a lot of people have had interactions with Vince. You think of Stone Cold, CM Punk, more recently, Kevin Owens. Uh, Undertaker. I mean, with a lot of them. Yeah, Kevin Owens recently as well, you know, interacting, interacting yeah. with Vince McMahon, and it, and it really can shape careers if done right. It's like Vince is the go-to guy to help you get over or keep you over. 
Now, Seamus, you know, like I said earlier, claiming the careers of Edge and Stone Cold Steve Austin, guys, these these guys take a pounding. I mean, everyone who sits there and says wrestling's fake, is it scripted? Absolutely. Is the punishment they take fake? Absolutely not. And these guys deserve our utmost respect because these guys work over 300 days a year traveling all over the world to entertain and put on good shows. They do the best they can and they should get more respect. 100% agree. All right, guys. So when we come back, we are going to dive into a couple more Sheamus matches. We will be right back. guys we are back as we're going to continue our conversation right now about Seamus and what he has meant to the company and what his role could potentially be if he does have to retire so Lane if you remember back Daniel Bryan was a very big fixture in Seamus becoming the world heavyweight champion as we remember because not only, not only did it shape Sheamus' career going forward, but it also shaped Daniel Bryan's going forward. So when I say Daniel, or I'm sorry, when I say Sheamus is the reason Daniel Bryant got it over as he did, you say what? I say absolutely. If you remember, Daniel Bryant, he was on the NXT, that horrible NXT before it is what it was today. Right. And came in. And he had his fans, don't get me wrong, but no one really cared. And then if you really remember at WrestleMania, when he beat him in 18 seconds, fans actually booed because the match was 18 seconds. And from that moment on, people were, I remember I was at a bar when that WrestleMania happened, and people were so mad because it was WrestleMania, they wanted a huge championship match. But also what it did was it catapulted Daniel Bryan, and people legitimately felt sorry for him. So... That right there made Daniel Bryant's career. I totally agree with you. I remember watching that match, and I'm telling you, I was thinking to myself, I was very excited about this match because those two styles, not only were they so different, but I knew they were just going to you know, pretty much come together and create a classic. And when I saw that bro kick come across Daniel Bryant's face and he got pinned that fast, I remember my jaw hitting the ground face planted into that mat and I remember my thought being why only 18 seconds now after all these years I can see why it it paid off but I remember sitting there watching I was more upset about them going on first and only being 18 seconds than when Brock Lesnar beat the Undertaker's WrestleMania streak at least they had a good match you know at least and you know, and who knows, you know, we're, yeah, we're sitting here on the outside looking in and we can sit here and speculate on why, but maybe WWE uh, definitely had a plan. I mean, I hate to say, I mean, I hate to say, I never truly understood why they were, why I decided to go 18 seconds. I never understood it, but maybe they had a feeling that it's possible that it would could get Daniel Bryan sympathy. Uh, actually, the, little uh, information here. The reason why that they did it that way is because they wanted 
that to be the shortest match in WrestleMania history because Chavo Guerrero had actually just left. I believe it was Chavo Guerrero. Someone that was in the company had just left. And so they wanted a new fastest match in WrestleMania of all time. So they wanted to sacrifice Sheamus and Daniel Bryan. Yes, to uh, replace the Kane versus Chavo Guerrero match for the ECW champion at WrestleMania 24. That was the reason. Wow. See? The information you learn here on, on this sports and wrestling podcast. <laughs> Sheamus, <laughs> the more you Sheamus know. against Alberto Del Rio when Sheamus moved on and started, you know, after Daniel Bryant. And you remember he started defending against Del Rio and he defended against Ziggler. And he went into, I mean, Del Rio was his biggest feud outside of the big show. But I think that Del Rio feud was definitely underrated. Um, I don't hear a lot of people talk about that, and I don't know why. Because, I I mean, Del Rio is great on the mat. Their styles really went well together. And I think, in a way, kind of helped Sheamus a little bit more. It, it gave him credibility with... Uh, he could fight, he could fight you know, Bryant, smart guys. He could, he could go with the mat wrestling. And he even had the matches against, I believe it was Big Show. Um, Big Show, I believe, actually may have won his last world title from him. But yeah, I mean, Simmons can do it all. He, I mean, he can be a tag team. He can be a singles wrestler. He can be at the bottom of the card, the top of the card. I mean, look what they're doing now with him and Cesaro. That's true. That is absolutely right. Um, Sheamus has had a Hall of Fame career, and I'll touch on that, you know, w- you know, when we come back and we wrap up this Sheamus talk, and we'll talk about the big show, and we'll talk about how, you know, how their feud help Seamus along the way as well. So guys, we will be right back. All right, everybody, we are back. And before we go on to the big show feud with Seamus, I want to hit on something that I meant to hit on in the last segment. Flame, where do you see Seamus potentially going from here if he has to retire? What is his role in WWE? What could it potentially be? Um, honestly, I think he'd be a tremendous help uh, down to NXT, almost like a Matt Bloom. Or a, uh, even even if he was just to work with the new guys coming in, uh, even an agent. I mean, he can put some matches together. Uh, I definitely think he should stay with the company. No, they'll find something for him to do. Um, I think he'd be a tremendous I asset. I agree with you. You cannot, if he does have to retire... You can't afford to let him walk away and potentially go help in another wrestling company, say, I don't know, Ring of Honor. There you go. You you got New Japan. You got all kinds of places where you could see him go. But WWE's home, and that's where he should stay, even if he has to retire. All right, as we move on, Sheamus and the Big Show. So this is the feud where Sheamus eventually lost the World Heavyweight Championship. And I have to say, their feud was very well done. You know, even though Sheamus is a big boy, you had pretty much the big show, the giant. In a way, you know, kind of gets David and Sheamus, even though Sheamus is a big boy himself. So if I had to say, how would you rank their feud? back then I would say it was tremendously un- underrated um, that was when Big Show still had uh, some tank left in the gas he was able to go I mean 
I'll put it, it was way above expectations. Um, if I had a rank it, I have to go back and watch it now because it's been several years. But I think it's worth watching, that's oh, for sure. You, I, I had concerns about the feud. I had a feeling Big Show was going to take the title off, off of him because I was sensing they wanted to send Sheamus in a different direction. And that's pretty much what they did after that. But you're right. The feud between them was definitely underrated, and it definitely surpassed my expectations. You know, they worked well together in the ring, and Big Show, being a student of the game, learning from greats like Hulk Hogan and, you know, the Macho Man and, you know, the Outsiders, you know, all those guys, that really helped in Big Show being able to say, okay, Seamus, this is how we need to do this if the crowd's going to be invested in what we're trying to sell them. And the Big Show is a very underrated seller and storyteller. And I think that helps Sheamus' storytelling as well. Even if you look um, back in 2015-16, he was part of League of Nations. And it was him, Del Rio, uh, Bad News Barrett, and Rusev. I even found him entertaining in that. He's definitely very entertaining in that. And I thought to myself after that, Sheamus has lost a little bit of credibility. But putting him together with Cesaro... Yeah. Really? You know, has really brought his credibility back up. Real quick, while we're talking about credibility, I got my notes here. He's a three time WWE champion, one time world heavyweight, two time United States, three time tag team champion with Cesaro, King of the Ring winner in 2010, Royal Rumble winner 2012, a four time Sammy winner, and Money in the Bank winner and successful league cashed it in in 2015. That's that's a lot. I mean, if if you think about his 2011, right, is when you know is when he debuted, and now we're in 2017. So you're looking a little bit over six years. And to think that he's done all that in a six-year period, he does have to retire. Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. I mean, I mean, I mean, to me, he's a no doubt Hall of Famer. Um, And 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 this is where I want to go with this. I want everybody who's out here listening, whoever listens to this. Call me, call in here and tell me if you think Shameless is underrated and overrated and tell me why. And I will publish the best ones, you know, out there for everyone to listen to. So this has been our wrestling chatter about Shameless. We're going to take a break and I'm going to keep laying around because we're going to talk about some NFL going on tomorrow and a big acquisition in baseball today that has shaken baseball probably to the core. So we will be right back. All right, everybody, we are back. And we are going to move on to some NFL tomorrow. Yeah, there's no college football anymore, you know, now prior to the bowl games. So we can definitely focus on, you know, the NFL and the playoff picture. But before I do that, there was a major trade in baseball today when the Marlins decided to trade their face of the franchise, their star, Giancarlo Stanton, to the New York Yankees. So now the Yankees have just gotten a lot better in a hurry. And I totally believe it makes them the favorites to get to the World Series out of the American American League next year. And plus, it's my fiance's favorite team, create U86 and Anchor. But 
It's one of oh, you too fast. Yeah, well, well, thank you very much. So I, I, I just wanted to hit on that for a second. And, you know, over the last few years, the Yankees have done things differently than, you know, than what they used to. They used to go out and buy everybody because they had the money to do it. They flaunted it. They said, here, this is how we're going to be and win championships. And in the last several years, they've kind of taken a different mindset. So today, pulling off a trade like this kind of reminds me of the Yankees of old. And Lane, I don't know if you're a baseball fan or not. Are you? No. You're not a baseball fan, so. Uh, Not even when the Texas Rangers play. You're a big fan of the Rangers? No, not even even when Texas plays, I won't watch football. <laughs> well, that's a perfect segue. <laughs> well, that's that perfect segue because we're going into, you know, week 14. And the first game on the docket that I see, your Cowboys against my fiance's Giants. So you tell me why the Cowboys will win this game. Oh, I don't believe they will. If we're just being honest, I don't when does Zeke come back? I believe Zeke comes back next week. I believe this is his last game of the suspension. Well, then we're going to win a game until Zeke comes back. So, you're saying that they'll only win because Zeke is there? I'm saying Emily's lucky Zeke's not there because if we had Zeke, we would have been just fine. I think the Cowboys, honestly, I think that they've been letting a lot of the uh, – a lot of the media get a hold of them, uh, a lot of distractions. I mean, last season, everything was good, you know. Uh, I, I just I don't see us winning. I don't. Speaking of last year, you had Zeke last year, right? Yes. Um, did the Cowboys beat the Giants in those any of those two games last year when Zeke was in the lineup? Uh, I, I, you know, it, it's been a year, so I really um, – I have a lot of concussions in my, in my days. The answer, I don't really recall. The answer is no. It, they did not. The Giants beat them really? twice. The Giants beat him twice with Zeke in the lineup. Now, I'll tell you what, the Giants are a completely different team, you know, losing a lot of their star wide receivers. They don't have Beckham. They don't have Brandon Marshall. Um, so, I mean, this is a completely different team. But I'm with you. While we're talking about the Giants, let me, ask, let me ask you this. Do you think it was the right time to get rid of Manning? Do you think they should have done it a long time ago? Do you think they should have kept him? Eli Manning is still a Giant. He is starting tomorrow. So... They, they decided to put him back in the starting lineup, so he does start tomorrow, and that's another segment for another day. I will get on that soon. But also on the docket, we have Minnesota versus Carolina. We have the 49ers against the Texans. We have the Lions against the Buccaneers, the Bears against the Bengals, the Colts against the Bills, the Raiders against the Chiefs, the Titans versus Arizona. The Jets against the Broncos. We have the Redskins against the Los Angeles Chargers. Hearing that game might be moved to another location due to the wildfires. Um, I want to send prayers to everybody out there battling those fires, by the way. Got the Eagles playing the Rams. That game also might be moved as well. Um, We have the Seahawks against the Jaguars. Baltimore against Pittsburgh. And then on Monday night, we got New England against Miami. So those are the games on the docket. For Sunday. So, Lane, is there any final thoughts you want to give out before we uh, end this podcast today? Uh, yes. Um, so, those listening, I just said that I'm going to be a father, and I would like to say go Chicago because that's her team. 
There you go, man. All right, you made it to the end. Thanks for hanging out with me. Be sure to hit the clapping button so that I know which segments you like the best. Also, be sure to hit the star button to favorite the station and share it with friends. You guys have a great week. Say bye, Lane. Later, guys. All right, bye, guys.